Warning, you are about to enter a world populated by the most appalling music ever made. Welcome to the search for the worst album of all time. This is Broken Records. But I hadn't been forgotten, I Joe. I'd been married a long time ago. Saint Bango. <laughs> a girl with kaleidoscope eyes. <laughs> You're beautiful. Hey, hey, I wanna be a rock star. Hello there, welcome to episode 31 of Broken Records, part of the Riot Act podcast network. Oh, oh, oh Renfrey. Oh, look what I've just called it. My name's Stephen Hill. I'm joined as ever by Renfrey, De- Renfrey Deadman. Oh, I was doing well oh, there, wasn't I? Renfrey, well. sorry, mate, I was doing really well. I was making this sound like we have, you know, a big office block, a big Riot Act towers. We do. Yeah people come and go yeah (laughs) um so hopefully by now you're familiar with this concept broken records as i said this is part of the right act podcast you can go every friday and listen to renfrey and i review the latest releases you can go to our patreon page patreon.com forward slash right act podcast and sign up for some exclusive content where we talk about our favorite albums and some albums that you as patrons can suggest as well but here on broken records this is where we search for the worst album ever made in history ever all albums uh, that have been put on this list are not just me and Renfrey's own personal dislike of a band. They are compiled from their reputation, from your suggestions, from their critical standing, from their fan reaction, from the context surrounding the record. And this week, we are going to be talking about One More Light, the seventh studio album from Linkin Park, the new metal superstars, released on the 19th of May 2017, their final album as we record um certainly their final album with their original frontman chester bennington and so you would assume i mean as we sit here their their last ever album full stop but we don't know that for a fact do mm. we room free no, no not for a fact i did notice um on the uh wikipedia page uh for lincoln park that it said that they kind of went on hiatus for a bit and then sort of uh reformed in 2018 uh, is that true? Yes. Hiatus. Hi- no, sorry. I'm complete. That's completely wrong. Hiatus between 2017 and 2020. So uh, hmm. maybe they've announced something this year. I haven't really paid attention because we don't well, tend they to did, pay attention. They, to they, Park, really. Well, I'll get into that in a second. But I think they did. There's a hybrid theory 20th anniversary reissue thing. And I think they did a bunch of stuff with that. Your mates, 100 Gex, did a remix of something. Mm, so My good uh, friend's 100 Gex. days. Yeah. Love yes, them. your good friend 100 Gex. So before we go into it, we should run down the top 30 very quickly of the albums that so far are ranked in our list. From 30 down to 1 in descending order, we go Bob Dylan Self-Portrait, Lou Reed and Metallica's Lulu, Lou Reed's Metal Machine Music, the self-titled album by Liz Fair, Lauren Hill, MTV Unplugged, D.D. King Stand in the Spotlight, The Transform Man by William Shatner, Van Halen 3, Bush's Black and White Rainbows, Primitive Call by Mick Jagger, Results May Vary by Limp Bizkit, Uma Guma by Pink Floyd, What The by Black Flag, which was the last one that went in, the Enemy, Streets in the Sky, One by Dirty Vegas, Razorlight by Razorlight, Famous First Words by Viva Brother, Fear of a Dead Man to Truth Is, 
Slick Dogs and Ponies by Louis XIV, Queen and Paul Rogers, The Cosmos Rocks, Richard Ashcroft's United Nations of Sound, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, the original soundtrack of the movie of the same name, Eog and Quig, self-titled debut album, Six Feet Under's Graveyard Classics Volume 2, Towers of London, Blood, Sweat and Towers, Corey Feldman, Angelic to the Core, Blood on the Dance Floors, Bad Blood, Methods of Mayhem, Methods of Mayhem, Double Wide by Uncle Cracker, and still sitting at the very, very, very top of the tree, is broken sides i'm not a fan but the kids like it fuck the kids that is a piece of shit that record. <laughs> That's so um, record, yeah. the worst album we have heard thus far um so let's talk about what we're going to talk about today one more light by lincoln park lincoln park renfrey we should probably we kind of touched on it a little bit lincoln park have always been a divisive band i think they are massive yes they are absolutely massive they can you know commanded festival headlining spots and blah 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 blah. they are influential yes yes they are loads of people love them but what about the other opinion take me for example i hate them you do hate them yeah i hate them so that is evidence that they're divisive (laughs) (laughs) oh i think it's fair to say they're divisive i think any band who gets to lincoln park size is divisive to be honest but lincoln park were divisive from the start weren't they all the accusations Mm. of them being a boy band and stuff which essentially came from and and manufactured and all this bollocks which came from because chester ben uh, it was mike shinoda's band wasn't it lincoln park and i think the I think the five of them got together and then like um, someone at Warner Brothers then put them in contact with Chester Bennington or something like that. And and as a result of that, people were like, oh, they're manufactured, which is a bit of a hop, skip and a jump uh, for me, I think. But yeah, certainly. um, uh, Yeah, certainly a divisive band. I mean, my own personal relationship with Linkin Park, um, I was 15 when Hybrid Theory came out. I heard the song With You, I think it's called. It's the third track on Hybrid Theory on a Kerrang! CD mm-hmm. and quite liked it. So I picked up Hybrid Theory, um, really enjoyed it for about a month. And then, but it was one of those records that it reveals everything to you instantly. And I remember that by the time that uh in the end came out as a single which probably would have been a few months later i was just kind of sick of seeing lincoln park and i hadn't mm-hmm. listened to the album for a long time blah 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 and yeah i i i, I briefly flirted with them let's say but then but, right. but but kind of uh after that just sort of ignored them and then they released meteora which was basically just hybrid theory part two and i was like I don't know if this band had anything to offer. To be fair, since since then, I mean, they they then took a bit of an about turn with mid uh, minutes to midnight. Was that the next one? I think, I think. So. Um, you know, which had what I've done on it, or something like that. Um, and you know, but I I just just lost interest entirely by then. So yes, this is the mm. this is only the. Th- third lincoln park album i've listened to in full right and oh oh golly this is different to to, <laughs> to to what i've heard in the past well i viewed them with suspicion when they first came out <clears throat> lincoln park for me made me feel like i finally understood why people who owned mud honey and melvin's records in 1988 hated bush Mm. Do you know what I mean? I felt that. I'd never, like, growing up, I never had a problem with Bush or Silverchair or Stone Temple Pilots or that particular group of post-grunge bands that seemed to get 
kicked in the fucking balls constantly mm. by people who liked Nirvana and Tad and stuff like that and the Screaming Trees. And I like, you know, I like Bush, but I, you know, I, I became kind of later on, I was sort of, I became aware that they sort of weaseled their way into what was popular a little bit. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing if you've got good songs. Mm. Um, and I think Linkin Park did the same way. It's just, for me, like Bush went away. <laughs> you know what I mean? Bush were massive and then they sort of went away. Linkin Park continued to get bigger and bigger and bigger off of, from what I can essentially see, is a half-decent debut album. Hybrid Theory is 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 not a bad record. When people say, no. oh, you hate Linkin Park, and they go, oh, you're saying that Hybrid Theory is terrible. No, no, I'm not I'm not saying Hybrid Theory is terrible. I think Hybrid Theory is a, is a decent enough new metal record. It's got its Especially moments. for the time surrounding yeah. stuff. I think it's a cynical record. I think it's a derivative record. Mm. I think it's an ambulance-chasing record, to be perfectly honest, which is mad considering how much bigger they got than all the other things that had come before it but it to me it was like you are you are jumping onto a dead bandwagon at this point ah that, that's what you to, mean by ambulance chasing yeah i, I i've yeah, not I heard that like, phrase before okay right okay yeah but you know it's not a bad collection of songs but i thought i was like anyone coming along to new metal now when corn corn got so big that they were keeping dr dre and fucking um Celine Dion off the top of the charts in mm. America. Mm. Limp Biscuit were ubiquitously massive. Like those bands were. Ma- and to be fair to Linkin Park, I mean, I say to be fair to Linkin Park, I think it was kind of by design rather than by any kind of accident or whatever. I mean, th- they got bigger than both of those bands. And you can understand why, because Corn are very dark and Limp Biscuit are quite are very obnoxious, and Linkin Park are neither of those things, mm. right? So it was the acceptable face of new metal. And, and, and that's fine. On reflection, if a song like, I mean, Paper Cut is a really good song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Paper Cut's a really, really good song. Um, and I can admit that. But after that, I mean, how shit are this band? Everything I ever heard from Linkin Park <laughs> after that, I just thought was was shit. But anyway, we're not really here to talk about the rest of Linkin Park's back catalogue. I, like you, Renfrey, have actually only heard, this is the third Linkin Park album that I've heard. Right. Um, I uh, are you the same as me? As well. You've heard Hybrid Theory and Meteora or are there other ones? No, from? Hybrid Theory, The Hunting Party ah, and this. Okay. Right, And obviously Bits and Bobs from all the other ones as well. By 2010... Linkin Park had basically become part of mainstream furniture. Not mainstream metal, mainstream, mainstream furniture. They headlined downloads. I saw them at the O2. Um, I was interviewing of Mice and Men at the O2. I didn't go along to see Linkin Park. I just, of Mice and Men were supporting them. I was interviewing of Mice and Men and I stuck around to see um, their set and see a bit of uh, Linkin Park. Little did I know, interestingly, back then, Renfrey, that my first question to of Mice and Men really should have been, why are you a mental sex pest? But anyway, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know that at the time, so uh, I, I I didn't ask that question. But that would have been a good opening question. Oh, it would have it would have been great. It would have been great, mm. and I don't think the interview would have been shut down immediately at all. No, but luckily, <laughs> I mean, it, had that have happened, he left with a couple of years later to go and be a sort of pervy lunatic, didn't he? So mm. it's fine. Um, but anyway, yes, the hunting party in two thousand and fourteen. That was a record prior to. This album, One More Light, it came out in 2014. It featured guest contributions from Paige Hamilton from Helmet, Tom Morello from Radiance Machine, Darren Malakian from System of Down, and Rakim of Eric B. and Fame. Um, what what did that record sound like? 
uh, as in what was it what was its general vibe slash genre slash uh because i'm trying to kind of figure out the journey of how they got from hybrid theory to this album that we're talking about now and i feel like because i haven't listened to the mid period of uh lincoln park's career at all i feel really lost um can well, you can you see the through line from hunting party <laughs> no this is what's like so this is what is the why if anyone says oh they were just doing what they wanted to do no because i've heard the hunting party and it was a return to their uh, heavy roots Paige oh, was and Darren Malaki and Tom Morello, Rakim, we're making a rock album again. They went in metal, they went in, did a feature in Metal Hammer where they said, we're going back to, you know, the heavy sound. We're going to make a really hard record. We've missed doing it. Blah, 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 blah. It was a middling to fairly badly received record. Commercially successful in because it's a Linkin Park album, I guess. Um, and here's something I was going to bring up, which isn't me name dropping at all because it's relevant to something that we talk about a little bit that we will talk about a little bit later on i interviewed chester benton on the hunting party cycle for the when i was on team rock radio and he was nice enough he was very much media trained to within an inch of his life and yeah. i managed to get him talking about napalm death and he was very very quick to tell me um and point out to me that he used to listen to napalm death when he was a, when he was a kid but um can you just, just before you say that? Can, can you explain what you mean by media trained? Because I understand what you mean, but some of the listeners might not know exactly what that means. He had a pre-prepared answer for questions that he didn't even know anyone was going to ask mm. yet. Mm. He mm. had basically the same answer prepared, no matter what your question was, mm. Mm. and nothing you said phased him because he was always going to come back with the line of this is how we blah blah blah, blah. He, w- I, he was going to say what he wanted to say irrespective of the questions that were being asked effectively is what it, you're saying it, yeah mm. and it sounded very pre-planned and mm. pre-prepared and all that kind of stuff mm. and him mentioning i used to listen to napalm death in school was one of the few times where i was like oh i actually said something which he probably doesn't say to every single other person that came in here but my kind of main line of questioning to chester bennington being someone who doesn't like the band I wanted to say to him, like, I, I, you know, you're not going to go in there and on a radio interview and go, oh, I fucking hate your band. Of course not. No. You're a sellout, like, whatever. I'm, I wasn't going to do that. But I did go, for people who like rock music, your peers used to be Taproot and uh, Papa Roach and Head PE, and now they're Rihanna and Jay-Z and Kanye West and Maroon 5. Like, those are your actual closest... Is that weird for you? Like, if you were a real rock band, mm. you presumably would find that quite odd, right? You, that all kind of a little bit discombobulating, or you would, or that would be surprising to you. Yeah, but there's yeah, a rhetoric you, that would go yeah, along with that. Yeah, but yeah. you seem quite comfortable in that, and I'm just wondering how you've managed to kind of reconcile that. That was sort of my line of question because I because I was saying you know, like Nirvana never did. When Nirvana were getting put next to Janet Jackson and en vogue and stuff like that they never looked comfortable you know and there's been loads of people from i guess the sort of the heavier side of things that have got big we just go like well you know iron maiden or the clash or bands like that they never played the mainstream pop game to that extent and i was like particularly on you releasing this the hunting party which is a quote-unquote heavier record what does that say about your feelings about the way you stand with what you used to listen to like napalm death 
and where you kind of sit now. And, you know, he wasn't, he didn't get riled up by it. He didn't get pissed off. And I mean, you know, I guess why should he? It's just some fucking, you know, nobody journalist from... Yeah, 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 from, yeah. From, Come on. from Britain, like kind of you know, a bit hard on yourself. To... Stephen. Well, no, I'm... well I, I mean this is true, but like <laughs> he doesn't know that. He doesn't know that, though, does he? Um, but it's some random UK journalist. Like, why the fuck should he give a shit? What yeah. I think, really? Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I, I wasn't, but I did try and ask him how he felt about people like me. Essentially, I wanted to ask the questions that I would have wanted to ask Chester Bennett when I was twenty and I first heard them, and I was like, I don't believe you. And that sort of stuck with me that he just. It, it was totally water off a duck's back to him. And I was like, hmm, you know, obviously they are perfectly happy being where they are, which is fine. And anyway, the hunting party was one of those ones where people went, yeah, they're back. Great, they're back. But then because it was crap, because Linkin Park are crap and metal and heavy stuff, in 2014, metal was not really in a very good place at all. And it wasn't going to make any kind of comeback whatsoever. So I sort of suspected that, Linkin Park would just go, ah, oh, fuck this, and jump back aboard what the whatever is popular right now train. That's what I kind of thought would happen. And that's kind of what happened. <laughs> um, so they binned off Rick Rubin, uh-oh, um, which is the first little nod that you would think uh, to them changing dramatically in some way and started pre-production of the record on Mike Shinoda's phone on the hunting party tour and he and guitarist brad delson went on to produce the album brad delson the guitarist i suppose at least he got to do something um <laughs> he's certainly not playing guitar is he uh sorry so yeah no they they did been off um uh rick rubin but that was um living things was the last thing last album they worked with rick rubin mm. on wasn't it the hunting party was actually yeah. their first self-produced album and then one more light was their but second i think if i'm right in if if I'm getting this right, Joe, Joe Barese was involved in the hunting party as well, though I think uh, he's not oh, no, he listed no, in the credits. No, no. no, all right, fair enough. Well, that's that's I'm I'm wrong then. Sorry about that. Uh, but yeah, um, but anyway, between 2015 and 2017, rec- they recorded in LA as well as sessions in Canada and London. Billy Howardell wrote the song "Eat the Elephant" for the album. Um, yeah, this and was it was a... left off the album, presumably because it was way too good to be on that record. <laughs> this is a um, fascinating fact, which I was completely and utterly um, uh, unaware of. Uh, and obviously, Eat the Elephant, you know, be- became a perfect circle song a year later, mm-hmm. two years later. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, amazing album, which we both absolutely loved. It was in Love our top 20. I, it's a record I still listen to quite regularly. Yeah. Uh, three or four definitely top five it was yeah 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 same and like Brilliant. yeah it's, it's amazing to think that how eat the elephant could have started out with such shit foundations really yeah i mean the thing is i always look at it and go there, there are endless people that help collaborate on this record not just six members of lincoln park i think they made a big thing about the fact that they collaborated together but nine guest musicians and 34 individual production credits now that is something which never ends well usually for bands of this nature we spoke about beck um last year yeah 2019 we spoke about beck's last record and how beck is a sort of auteur at his best you know Mm. um and yet he brought pharrell and you know we we were like look at the amount of credits on this record and it Mm. just doesn't beck is buried underneath 
there's no sort of sense of him and i think artists of that ilk they they it never works out when you get 40 odd i mean look you know chinese i know you like chinese democracy and i'm not saying it's rubbish but Mm. like completely rubbish we'll probably talk about that from the hat at some point Mm. but it's certainly a you know a hodgepodge it's a hodgepodge oh yeah yeah. it's a a bit of a mess so Mm. you know bands of this ilk i think they they struggle with with that many producers well Um, i I mean just to um take that and run with it there are 14 different songwriters accredited to this mm. album uh and if you evenly distributed every songwriter's contribution on this record each songwriter would have come up with roughly two and a half minutes worth of music um and I mean, how on earth are you supposed to carve out any sense of identity with so many cooks in the kitchen? You know, um, it's true. Uh, which is a large part of why I think this record is such an absolute failure. Uh, I will mm. probably talk about identity quite a bit, I think, on this on this uh, one. But yeah, 14 different songwriters you're pulling in all sorts of different directions. It's uh, it's a crazy way to make a record, really. It feels it feels it very really, diluted as a result. It really does. And I mean, Mike Shinoda was interviewed by Zane Lowe in the build-up to the record and said, in terms of the style of the record, it's one of the most diverse stylistically. There's more genres mashed, in, genres mashed into this album than anything we've ever put out. You don't hear a lot of super heavy guitars. There isn't any screaming on the record. To some extent, it's a very polished record. Stylistically, we want to blend uh, all of the sound of the genres together in a way that you can't tell them apart. Now, that sound that's that's a glass-half-full way of saying... Oh, we don't really know what this is, and it doesn't really sound like anything of any note. Well, I mean, apart from the guitars and screaming, ah, oh, if we blend a load of genres together, and then you can't really tell what genre it is. Well, that doesn't sound like it doesn't sound like anything, then, does it? Well, also, I mean, I'm sorry, Mike Shinoda, but this is not a dynamic record. It's actually an no. incredibly one-paced record. I'd argue it's less dynamic than Hybrid Theory, and I'm not saying that. I mean, there's some dynamism to to hybrid theory to a degree. Um, it was it was not an original formula what they were doing at all. Um, but but I, you know, I wouldn't. If someone said to me, "Is hybrid theory a dynamic record?" I wouldn't be like, "Well, no, not entirely." There's there's a little bit of dynamic, but this is this is not this is objectively not a dynamic record. That is incorrect. Shinoda also said that he hoped the songs would remind people of The Cure and Tears for Fears. You fucking wish, mate. (laughs) You wish. Oh, my God. You honestly think... Anyway, we're going to get into this a little bit. Um, Brad Delson claimed there were guitars on the album. I haven't heard them. Uh, Heavy was released as the first single. And I remember when Heavy was released as a single, people were already losing their shit at the idea of Linkin Park releasing a pop album a modern pop album and it was kind of almost inevitable what was going to happen next it seemed so like I'm not fucking Nostradamus I'm not Mystic Meg but from the second you know Linkin Park Linkin Park played Download in 2014 they played Hybrid Theory in full and I was the one person of 80,000 people stood there going yeah because I had to review it for Metal Hammer and I was like okay people losing their shit for half an hour and everyone goes, oh it's one of the best headline sets ever no 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 the first half an hour of it was one of the best headline sets you've ever seen i saw you motherfuckers checking your phone and looking around and thinking shall i go and watch sixth i you know shall i go and should we just go and get a beer i saw the last hour of that set as well and i saw everyone walking away bored 
they're playing stuff from the hunting party and they're playing stuff from you know minutes to midnight or a thousand suns or whatever and people were just like what an it was an absolute anti-climax they played hybrid theory at the start and then just slowly diminished the memory of that over and over again and all people remember from that set is hybrid theory so from that moment i was like they are not they are not going to just go like they basically it felt to me like they'd basically kind of I don't want to say they lost the rock crowd, but they were what they were. They were a one album wonder. Do you think? You know? Do you think the first half hour of that set was was good? Like, were they a good live band? Because I hear, oh, I've never ever seen Linkin Park live, and I I hear over and over again that they're an amazing live band and they sound exactly like they do in the record, probably because they use tracks. Um, and yeah. you know, like, I mean, did, did was it a good live performance? Yeah, it was to be fair. I mean, okay. Chester Bennett has got a really good voice, has got a really impressive voice. He can really pull off the thing that he can live. It yeah. was a bit cheesy. It's a, you know, it's a bit cheesy and I don't really I don't know. I don't always you know. It's just it just what, you know, it wasn't very, you know, you going to see Ramstein and it sort of feels a bit dangerous or you going to see Limp Bizkit and it's just kind of obnoxious fun. There's not many times where I go and see a metal band and I very much use the quote unquote metal band with Linkin Park and you just think like this is like a sort of pop show. Do you know what I mean? This is like the same patter and and vibe of like a kind of one Direction show or mm. what like, and I, I know people would be like oh you're comparing Linkin Park to One Direction I'm not I'm saying like, I went to see Take That and it was great mm. right it was fucking it was great fun And but the way that they were on stage and the way that the atmosphere of it was it was sort of joyous and I was like I don't can't really think of any other metal bands that like quote again quote unquote metal bands that that are like this so uh, it was weird i think it i mean I, I to be fair i do think it is i mean certainly hybrid theory era i do think it's fair to call them a metal band but they're a metal band with all the edges you know sort of sheened off aren't they that there's mm. there's there's no hard edges on lincoln park at all it's that kind of thing you know we shouldn't fall into the trap of people I'm not saying you're strictly doing this, but that that trap that some metal fans fall fall into, where they go, well, if I don't like something, it's not metal. I think I think Linkin Park were a metal band. They were they were just like the yeah. you know a, a very 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 shiny version of metal. Yeah. Of course, and that's why they were one of the most popular ones. And I think yeah. you know the songs on Hybrid Theory were good, but it was some of them when you go and see some when, of them yeah, are. Yeah. when when you when you go and see a metal band it tends to be a different atmosphere to when you go and when you go and see a pop band yeah and that's not saying one is better than the other but it's quite funny to it was quite sort of odd to me to see you know quite a bright feel-good shiny headline set from a band just playing who were, who were involved in me- who were involved in metal just you know? playing devil's advocate is there an argument to say that they were the first band to do that to take metal and bring it into the sort of pop environment and is that therefore their legacy well i suppose well, I, it I don't is. Know, because i mean a death leopard a metal band death leopard just a uh, metal band i mean there are there's the whole glam thing as well so i don't think it's completely unique to to them it's just yeah. that they did it in a slightly Park. different way. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah. I don't think Def Leppard never claimed to be like, oh, we talk about feelings and real things. Mm-hmm. Whereas Linkin Park have done that. So that's the, the weird sort of balancing seesaw that you get of it. Mm-hmm. There were bands involved in, like, you know, Nickelback would be considered a sort of 
a grunge, a post grunge band. Grunge was very dark, but Nickelback shows are, are the same sort of thing. Mm. So it's just, I don't know. It's like it, it's taking that as an idea. It's taking that genre, but kind of ignoring where it came from instead going no music is meant to be entertainment and music is meant to be fun and Linkin Park were entertaining and Linkin Park were, were, were good live and that first half hour you know it's hard not to get swept along and enjoy it when you see so many people having yeah. a great time yeah, it yeah. was like I was looking around I was like oh my god you guys really really like this don't you mm-hmm. you really really like it I was a bit weirded out because I'd actually I'd reviewed Fallout Boy into Linkin Park so Ooh. I mean I earned my fucking money that weekend trust me um <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm, was... I'm, but that is worth saying, isn't it? Like, people do genuinely love this record. And it has, uh, sorry, uh, a Hybrid Theory. And it has endured. I mean, a record that is 21 years old and people still wang on about. There's loads of our peers and contemporaries who adore it. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I've never fully got that. I mean, like I said, I I, mm. I loved it. I, I did really enjoy it when I first hear it, heard it, but I got very bored of it very quickly. Um, mm. And you know, then sort of, I mean, Lateralis by Tool came out a, around about six, seven months later, and I was like, well, this has got a lot more depth and is a lot more interesting to me than you know, a, an album. Two thousand is a really, really, really good year, and I think you yeah, know, you, uh, there's no way you just hybrid theory sits nowhere near lateralis or um i mean that lateralis was actually a you know, little bit later on but like a relationship of command or jesus christ bobby by minus or i know jupiter by caving came out that year and yeah these are all really really different records but even you know rated r by queens of stone age like, there's loads of great records that came out the year anyway uh, i think uh, we're getting slightly off the point a little bit well, just ju- just one more point like from memory it didn't get into like considering what a classic record it's considered now um Mm. i mean kerrang for example the kerrang albums the year 2000 it wasn't in the top 20 what we're hinting at is that sometimes people rewrite history and more of that later on (laughs) um so but i just thought it was the second hybrid theory ended at download 2014 and they went into stuff from the hunting party and people just went I was like, I think they're going to realise that this was a bad idea and I don't think they're going to do the same thing again. And when Heavy was released as a first single and people were like, what the fuck is this? It was kind of inevitable as to what was going to happen next. So let's talk about what happened next when the record was released and it was not really very well received. Classic Rock gave it 2 out of 10 saying, since their debut album Hybrid Theory turned them into overnight superstars, Linkin Park have bounced from style to style like a pissed tramp staggering between park bins. They love guitars, they hate guitars. They think they're Depeche Mode, they've made an album of Ukrainian arse flute music. <laughs> One More Light is the latest career flip-flop, a gleaming featherweight 21st century pop album. They've stripped away the guitars to the point where any trace elements remain. Good Goodbye featuring rapper Pusha T and grime star Stormzy and Heavy, a soft-centred duet with US singer Kiara, a more Radio 1's Big Weekend and Download the whole thing makes ed sheeran sound like extreme noise terror there's no point getting annoyed about it with one more light lincoln park of wave goodbye to rock all the best lads it was nice ish while it lasted um nme gave it a one out of five review with a header saying the new metal heroes have gone pop 
it ain't good talking to myself is full of unsophisticated hooks and forgettable melodies and heavy could be anything off of radio one's daily rotation the album drips to a close with sharp edges which could pass from mumford and sons the only not awful moment is goodbye goodbye featuring stormzy and lincoln park's mike shinoda but it still sits awkwardly it's harsh to criticize a great band for trying something different and it's not an issue that this is a pop album the issue is that it's a weak and a contrived commercial move perhaps to complete with the likes of 21 pilots maybe they'll pull things back for album number eight but will anyone be listening uh consequence of sound gave it a d plus um saying the band rebuked fan complaints that they were they were selling out with chester bennington admonishing fans in an enemy interview to move the fuck on from hybrid theory uh if you're saying that what we're doing for commercial or monetary reason trying to make a success out of some formula then stab yourself in the face bennington explained to his point one more light certainly sounds like the record the band want to make even if they sound hopelessly lost as they meander through pop the pop charts lincoln park genuinely appear to be enjoying their new role songs like halfway right and sharp edges find them reflective and nostalgic looking back at their younger days spent getting high ready to offer advice like an overeager father figure the problem is that bennington's comments in that interview are far more affecting than anything on one more light which is a muddied mess of a record from a band that have completely abandoned any sense of identity the evening standard gave it two stars saying lincoln park said they hope their music on the seventh album challenges our fan base that doesn't mean becoming daringly experimental the new songs are so popular that i had to check i hadn't put a adjusting bieber album on by mistake sorry for now is full of light blips and chipmunk vocal samples an odd fit for a once fierce band invisible plods along with something close to the tropical house sound the only rapping comes courtesy of Pusha T and Stormzy on goodbye goodbye as an attempt to say relevant it's bold but it might send more fans running away than towards them all music gave it a wonderfully generous three out of five saying the issue isn't that it's a pop uh, effort indeed they get points for a brave attempt to sew outside of their wheelhouse the problem is that is that much of one more light is devoid of that visceral charge that previously defined much of their catalogue there's no feral screaming from chester bennington there's barely any riffs and dj johan has disappeared beneath the texture of studio sheen rock sounds gave it six out of ten saying sure the relative absence of co-frontman mike shinoda saps some of the band's unique character and they get bogged down in sluggish downcast dirges in the final stretch but there's also a sense of liberation running through these 10 tracks the mark of an artist unshackled from their past stepping into the unknown after everything they've done from their from our scene it's hard to begrudge them that we'll talk about that in a second um finally newsday gave it a b and praised it for sounding like coldplay and owl city that's like calling someone handsome become, because they remind you of the elephant man, John Merritt. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is that? Yeah. <laughs> hey, check out this album. It's great, guys. It sounds like Owl City. You'd go, I'm calling the men in white coats to come and take you away. <laughs> uh, the, the key thing that comes up again and again and again, which I completely and utterly agree with, is this thing of um, of losing their sense of identity. So, um, you know, we encourage experimentation and doing different things on our main podcast, Right Act, all the time. Um, all the time. Um, but the thing is, is in order to do that successfully and well, you still need to have a sense of your own identity. The mm -hmm. only thing that makes this vaguely recognisable as a Linkin Park record is Chester Bennington has a relatively, um, uh, a relatively distinctive voice, I would say. 
But yeah. other than that, there's absolutely no connection whatsoever to what I've heard them do in the past, which is why I was kind of interested as to, as to like, was this a gradual move into this sort of territory? Um, I know that they kind of experimented with bits and pieces of that kind of thing on, on some of the mid-pace, on, on some of the mid-tier records, but it sounds like that, like, this was a really, really big step into that direction. And the problem is, is um, it sounds insanely derivative of really, uh, really bad pop music. There were a few reviews mm. there that said the problem, the problem isn't the fact that this is a pop record. And I agree entirely. The problem is it's a bad pop record. It is. Um, just to finish up on the sort of reaction to it, we should say it holds a Metacritic score of 40 out of 100. As of recording, it sold half a million copies in the US, 100,000 in the UK, went to number one in the USA, Belgium, Australia, Canada, Czech Republic, Hungary and Switzerland, peaked at number four in the UK. So this wasn't a commercial failure at all. No. Um, one thing I do want to say before we really get into how we feel about this record, Renfrey, is I couldn't find a Kerrang! review. Now, Metal Hammer didn't even review this record right classic rock did i mean the idea that they're in classic rock at all is kind of quite funny but um i couldn't find the kerrang review for it now i do remember i'm pretty sure kerrang weren't that weren't that keen on it at the time but their review of the record appears to be have been completely buried right but in 2019 they did rank the band's back catalogue from worst to best um this album wasn't bottom of the table 2012's living things which i haven't heard but i'm assuming it's a linkin park album and therefore it's utterly woeful but here's why the album wasn't bottom and it's because they don't want to feel bad basically um it's impossible to view the band's final release with it with chester without the benefit of hindsight objectively the unheralded swing into pure pop territory made for some of their least compelling sounds indeed the decision to title one of their softest ever compositions heavy felt like borderline trolling on release but in the light of the events that transpired in the album's immediate wake whole um whole other emotional dimensions open up we challenge any listener to hear chester's plea of i'm dancing with my demons i'm hanging off the edge on opener no one can save me without feeling the chill of poignancy and immediate pang of sadness challenge accepted yeah yeah absolutely Uh, accepted while the title track became a powerful eulogical statement is i didn't know eulogical was a word in that sense but good i'm not sure Um, it is but i understand (laughs) uh yeah elsewhere the intoxicate the intoxicating tech noir of storms of pushy tea collaboration good goodbye and the playful melancholic electropop of sorry for now feel far more substantial two and a half long years down the line i just wanted to put that in before we get into the kind of verdict and the end of this podcast but i think that's a little bit I, 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 we probably should say i mean most people will know this who've listened to, to uh, uh listening to this but um chester bennington uh uh died by suicide two months after this album came out yeah we should say yeah, so so there was a lot of kind of um critical reappraisal uh as a result of that and a lot of backtracking is the point you're trying to make basically yeah so basically yeah. um so verdict uh i mean no offense to the dead but this is fucking awful oh it's dreadful i mean from the second the really really obvious pop that every fucking (laughs) cunt puts in their music lit comes in on the opening song it's a mass it's i mean it's a it's a massive pile of wank 
Stormzy sounds like he's trying not to fall asleep in the back of the car when he comes in on Good Goodbye. I mean, well done, lads. You've made Stormzy sound dull. Like, there's just so much of this that is desperate. It's desperate to just break into the pop charts. And again, I, it's not the fact that you go, I've decided to make a pop album. You know, it's the, I, I, the whole thing. This, oh, they tried something new. I think is like you're right we do encourage people to try something new but I think that's bollocks in this, this instance case personally they can't do it like well done for trying yeah I mean that kid who thought he could fly and jumped out of a 20th story window let's all give him a round of applause because he tried as well like it's stupid if you can't fucking do it mm. and at some point they should have just gone oh we just can't do this mm. we just can't we just can't do this like fucking I don't think Less Than Jake could make a grindcore album. Mm. I don't think Napalm Death could make a, a, a or Morbid Angel could make a salsa record. <laughs> you know, I I just think there are sometimes you go, maybe we don't have the elements in place to be able to do this. Like, I'm not going to give you a big clap for for doing something new if you fail so miserably at it. And secondly, this is not the result, as you've said, of some daring attempt to make a gigantic creative leap into the unknown. It is linkin park supposed actual credible artists listening to the radio for half an hour and going let's do that it's pathetic it's 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 weird though i i I mean that would be that is an easy conclusion to come to but then at the same time i don't understand i don't understand why a band as big and as successful as linkin park would have needed to do that unless they actually did genuinely like this kind of this kind of pop crap and there's a lot of people who like this kind of pop crap um you know the the sort of thing that you hear on radio one all the fucking time or certainly used to um but it doesn't it doesn't make sense to me as a quote-unquote commercial sellout move because they were already at a massive massive size were they expecting to get bigger than they already were i it I, I I understand what you're saying, but I just don't. I, d- I don't think I don't think the people in Lincoln Park are idiots, and I don't think the people surrounding them are idiots. It, it, it yeah, feels like a but, weird move. But but the last thing you want as an artist is to just be defined by an album you made in this case 17 years ago. Mm, yeah, maybe. And you've had a fucking. You go, We're back. We're doing heavy shit. Oh, you don't like that oh okay well we've been making basically the like people people go lincoln park is so eclectic i mean i've never heard anything that doesn't sound like it couldn't fit snugly on meteora or hybrid theory even when you get into the you know they got slightly more poppy as they went along yeah they did a thing with jay-z that was actually quite good but they're not really like they're really they everything i heard of theirs i was like they haven't really progressed as a band much really have they like um, really I, I i'm just trying to think i mean i think if what i've done from uh minutes to midnight whatever that record's called i think if that had been like smack bang in the middle of hybrid theory that might have seemed a little bit of a weird i don't think it's a huge jump I, but only, i i think that's down to i don't think that's the song i actually think that's down to a, a um production mm, possibly techniques yeah. I think that's just and that I think that's better production mm. like you know 10 years down the line personally mm. maybe 
I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I, I, I mean, I, I, I mean, you know, it's not a that is not a, as a song. That's not a million miles away from in the end. It's just in the end is a bit rougher and it's a bit heavier. Yeah, it doesn't it's not doesn't. Million, it's not a million miles away, is it? Really, in the grand scheme of music, as a broad spectrum, it's not. It's not a million miles away. No, and 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 anyone who's kind of like, oh my god, Linkin Park, they're really really diverse and do loads of really really different things. Is certain. I mean, that's certainly not the case at all. But um, mm. I don't know if I. I don't know if I'd quite agree with the sentiment that that stuff could fit in. You know, you could take a song from, I don't know thousand suns and just put it on hybrid theory and it would work super well i mean i don't i don't know if that's strictly the case yeah i mean maybe i don't know i, I i've never heard anything and gone oh my god I, that doesn't sound anything like linkin park mm. at all like you mm. know i think they've got a, they had a fairly standard sound and this is the first time i heard something and i was like you know in the worst possible way where i was like oh god this doesn't sound like you at all but it does sound like every other fucking piece of shit that yeah. I've ever heard like being played on like Kiss Kistery or or not Kistery or Kiss FM or whatever. But you and you do want to retain a sense of identity though, don't you? You you, you want of like you, do. As, you should do. A, yeah, you should do. As a band, you, you you should want to like if you do want to experiment and go into other territory. Maybe it's a maybe it's a good thing. Like you can tell that what I've done is still a Linkin Park song, um, mm. but it does sound a bit different from from the stuff on hybrid theory um, i mean i just think i just think if you look at their their contemporaries from new metal right who they would be compared to if you listen to it, people go what's your favorite corn album oh well the debut corn album is my favorite that's a classic da, da, da. you go but i'll tell you what when i did path of totality wow what a surprise that was really good and then head came back and they've actually done some pretty good albums since heads come back and obviously follow the leader was a massive album yeah. blah 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 look at deftone what's your favorite deftones album well white pony is obviously the genius one but wow when they came back with diamond eyes wasn't that brilliant it was really really good yeah it was oh, i also really like around the fur that was a fucking great album and i think the under you know the self-titled ones really really underrated and koino yokan is brilliant mm. and blah blah blah. right so people will have conversations what's your favorite lincoln park album hybrid theory yeah every time every time and nothing else ever gets so in my head i would think i mean you can literally with the even limp biscuit you can have a i think three dollar bill yours the best and i know i'm very much in a minority then but even people will have a conversation about whether significant other is better than chocolate starfish yeah yeah you know yeah. Uh, i mean there's a, there's quite a few like no one disturbed the same disturbed that one album papa mm. roach are the same mm. they've only got that one album but even papa roach changed into like a kind of rock band and people went, oh i like you know at least the singles of papa roach being a rock band no one says that about lincoln park mm. no one ever said that about lincoln park hybrid theory came out some people go i think meteora is better than hybrid theory and some people go oh you're mad or they you know it's the same fucking thing and you're just like well yeah that's the only fucking conversation you have no one ever goes my favorite album is a thousand suns no one ever 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 says that and them coming in and being like we're back with the heavy album the hunting party yeah and people just went no no hybrid theory and they even said in the thing get over it get over the hybrid theory thing this is the future this is what we're doing now and everyone went you're even worse at that mm. lads you're mm. even worse and i mean that i think that's why that's why that this was such a, a massive leap wasn't done creatively wasn't wasn't done creatively at all wasn't a massive creative 
statement from a band it was fuck people talk about diamond eyes and they talk about the path of totality and they even talk about like you know um singles from papa roach people are excited people are excited when a new papa roach album comes out or or whatever or you know or or a new skin dread album people are more excited for a new skin dread album than they are from lincoln park we release hybrid theory but we don't want to be defined by hybrid theory so we're going to release this thing which is really current and it'll make loads of new people listen to us oh no new people want to hear it because they've heard 50 billion versions of this music already and all our old fans hate it Mm. and you kind of got what you deserve to be perfectly honest like because it's unbelievably cynical Mm. i mean heavy is the most unaptly named song since happy by pharrell just makes which incidentally makes me want to bomb a hospital that's <laughs> um the irony of calling the last song sharp edges when it is the most gelatinous blob of a song i've ever heard is not lost to me the only bit of guitar on the whole album is talking to myself and it sounds like fucking travis <laughs> i mean here's the thing as well pop music is meant to be full of life it's meant to be fun it's meant to be exciting you think of all the kind of best really the best pop records from whatever era whether it's you know rihanna or Katy perry or going back to duran duran or going all the way back to you know motown pop music's supposed to be this you know instant joyous celebration of sound of what is great about life so why make a dour boring sad one-dimensional pop album why because you don't know what you're doing I mean, I mean, well, it's certainly clear that uh, Chester Bennington was in a bad place, um, obviously, from the from what resulted. Um, And I think if that's the case, I think it's uh, you can you can write that we we had a slight um, thing. We recorded a show yesterday where I was saying that Lana Del Rey oh that's, that's a pop record and you're like no it's not because it's not bright and breezy and stuff but I think pop can be I think pop can be sad and dour and so you know look at um, yeah, yeah. Tears nothing for Fears you, but yeah, yeah, yeah. nothing you by Sinead O'Connor yeah 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 or, or you know it is possible or um, who the fuck did Tainted Love uh, <laughs> fucking Depeche Mode Soft Cell Soft Cell sorry thank you um, oh, they're all the same aren't they uh, <laughs> um you know, like it can be, you can have sad pop songs and they can still work. But, um, I mean, the, the, the sentiments expressed on this are just expressed in a really crap GCSE way as they always have been. And no one is like, no one is questioning whether those sentiments are real. I think considering what happened after a couple of months after this record came out, I think they they were real, but it doesn't mean that just because someone's genuinely going through those things, it doesn't mean that they can um, uh, they can translate them into something which is an interesting creative thing to experience or hear. Mm. When you listen to like some of the lyrics and stuff like "Nobody Can Save Me" and things like that, it's the, they're just trite and that it's it's very obvious that they've always written from the point of view of wanting to be really general really generalized so that as many people can relate to it as possible and 
I've always found that a very, very cynical move. To be fair, some bands who I like do it. I sometimes talk about Muse, who I do actually quite like in some cases. Um, and they have very sort of generalised lyrics about, like, they won't overthrow us, they won't over, you know. And that could be the government or it could be your parents because they're asking you to tidy your bedroom, you know. And that happens quite a lot. But th- there's a way of doing it that um, makes that that still enables you to feel something and Mm. i felt nothing listening to this record except irritation um about how bland and i i mean it is such the the type of pop they're trying to emulate is bad to begin with you know it's really terrible commercial bleepy bloppy boring saccharin shit the 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 amount of times that i wrote saccharin in my notes i had to get my thesaurus out to try and look up other words for saccharin there aren't very many but this is saccharin as shit this album i I, it and and i i i don't i don't know how you could actually feel anything from this record because it's just so general and it's so wow. even even with the circumstances after it, I mm. I, I I just think it's a really that if we're talking about the album itself, it's just really it's neither here nor there. Like by being so general and being so, um, but by wanting to try and encompass everyone into what you're saying, you end up not getting anyone interested in what you're saying. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel about Linkin Park. I always have, and I think that's true of that. I mean. I, I the whole sellout thing. So to talk about the aftermath of, the, of what happened in more detail. I mean, for me personally, I don't think you can sell out if you ever, if you never had anything to sell out from in the first place. Hence, why that terminology is not something which I'm really going to use about this record. Your hacks, hacks make hack records. That's no shock to me, really. But people did chuck the term sellout at the band a lot and they really didn't take it so well um chester bennington was interviewed in spin and said that people calling themselves sellouts should stab themselves in the face and move on we've had that and uh we mentioned the kerrang interview where he said that if you're going to be the person who says that then um that they made a he says the person who says like they made a marketing decision to make this kind of record to make money you can fucking meet me outside and i will punch you in your fucking mouth when you make it personal like a personal attack against who we are as people like dude shut the fuck up that means that i can actually have i can actually have feelings about it and most of the time my feelings are i want to kill you which is quite odds from that bloke that i met in 2014 Uh, you know i mean again uh like I don't want to rake over. We could you know, obviously we should mention it, but I don't want to rake over this territory too much because obviously this is a man we're talking about who was in a lot of pain and was. I think that is someone uh, lashing out publicly, which is which is a, a, a really sad thing. Um, and but in a weird way, you could argue it's a sort of cry for help in a weird way, you know. Um, I mean, I actually had no problem with any of that because I would have liked Jester Bennington to have been a bit more like that to me when I was having that conversation with him because I felt like weirdly, I felt nothing. I felt no kind of, I felt like it was just, you know, we weren't really having 
I was like, is this guy a fucking robot? Like, well, weirdly, that media training that you were talking about, it feels like around this time that was breaking down. And I, I, I yeah. you know, it's easy to say this looking back on it now, but um, I think that was probably because of because because he was breaking down as a, as an individual. Mm. So I, I, I see those things, and I just. Um, you know, I, 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 I feel genuinely sorry for him. I don't I don't think he comes across well in those interviews, but I'm kind of like, you were obviously having a really, really tough time. I mean, that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that suddenly this record is great because he took mm. his own life. Let's not, you know, <laughs> that that is ridiculous. But he, he was clearly in a lot of pain and lashing out as a result. Um, which you know is definitely not something to be mocked or or, um, uh, or or ridiculed in any way, shape, or form. But no. but it is it, it, it is a shame that that stuff you know came out. It's it's I suppose it's I don't know if this is a great comparison really, but I suppose it's a bit like that um, uh, Metal Hammer interview with Phil Anselmo that came out. Um, the the timing yeah. of that coming out when Dimebag. Uh, passed away and and he said some not very nice things about dying you know that it that's it kind of just feels like bad timing but mm. yeah um cory taylor had some opinions on this as well shock uh <laughs> he told chester benton to give it a little time be thankful for the fact that people want to see them and actually chester came back and said some nice things about cory um the band and played a, a bunch a, of shows a fair place cory taylor with that as well I, yeah. I i thought the thing that cory taylor said he was basically like you know at the end of the day you'd uh, <laughs> whilst this album hasn't been well received you have shitloads of fans who care about what you do and you you should appreciate that fact and chester bennington to give him credit did go you know what you're right i i lashed mm. out kind of thing but that's that's the, that's the sign of someone who is yeah as i say breaking down and and, and not having a good time to put it mildly mm. So they played their, their, a bunch of shows to support the album, including a show at Bricks Academy in London on the 4th of July, which actually ended up being their last ever show. Um, uh, no, it was their penultimate show. Their last ever show was, oh, was at the Birmingham, I know it as the NEC Arena, but the Birmingham Barclay, Barclay Card Arena on July the 6th. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I didn't realise, sorry, I thought it was the last one. Uh, the news broke on the 20th of July um, about Chester Bennington. And... Um, lots of people loads of people were legitimately sad and it's you know a man aged 41 that's my age taking his own life is a is is a tragic tragic thing of course it is terrible and it you know and i can't sit here and say that it moved me or upset me anyway and on a kind of personal or artistic level and i think after the stuff that I've said about Lincoln Park over the years, it would have been really hypocritical of me to turn around and express some kind of faux sadness at the death of someone I had absolutely no connection mm, with mm, yeah. at all. So I just kept my mouth shut, which I thought was kind of the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I think I've said before, there was a guy who was like, why haven't you said anything about Chester Bennington on Twitter? And it's like, you don't have to say everything, something about every single person that's ever died. I'll tell you what, right? As we record, Jessica Waters from um, Breaking Breaking Bad, from Arrested Development, uh, died yesterday. And I heard that and I was like, oh, no. Like, the, like Arrested Development, one of the, my yeah, favourite shows same. ever. And she's fucking great. Yeah. And I was like, that's a real shame. Yeah, like, how it is. Sad. Like, they're not going to make, you know, what a bummer. She was a great actress. Um. I didn't put it on Twitter. 
Mm. Yeah, you know, yeah. you don't have to do that. And you don't have to do that about... And if you're saying, like, you should do it out of some sort of obligation about every single person who ever dies. I mean, the guy I said it to, I was like, well, I, I put something up about Gary Shandling, who I actually do really love. And I noticed you didn't. So why didn't you say something about Gary Shandling? He had some weird answer. Like, well, what, what's that got to do with anything? It's like, well, the reason you put something on Twitter about someone dying is because you've been moved by the fact that they've died and if you haven't then yeah, yeah, yeah why why would you do that it's it was it's really weird but you know for his fans and his friends and his family obviously that is a deeply deeply upsetting thing and i i wouldn't have ever been like aha just a bit i never liked linkin park like that would be a cunty thing to do of course yeah, yeah, yeah. and everyone knows that they like linkin park so you would think well he's not gonna say anything about linkin park or like you know we didn't need to I'm sure you're the same, Renfrey. You I'm need, sure you're the same. You, yeah, there's certain times where you just need to shut up. <laughs> you know, yeah, you just need to like. I mean, like, I'm not a massive Architects fan, but when Tom Searle died, I didn't. You know, I just kept my mouth shut because, like, yeah. what's the point in me, uh, like, adding fuel to that fire when people are genuinely upset about it? And like, the, it's just a that's just a cunt move, you know. Mm. But there is nuance to be had here between. What I think is interesting is our kind of like, you know, our, our yeah, sadness that Chester and respect, you know, the, the respect that you go, somebody has taken his own life and that is a tragedy. What is interesting is I think kind of purely out of guilt now, this album has started to be reappraised. Now we have some albums on this list that are albums that people um, that that people hated at the time and then loved i mean ram by paul mccartney is is in the hat because it got fucking slated when it first came out and now it's this you know really really influential record and it's not the only one on in that list there are plenty in here that have reputations now of like oh no no with time you'll understand what a great record this is but it was slated at the time i'm not sure that (laughs) i'm not sure that there's a situation like this though where a record was kind of slated and it's been reappraised not for really doing anything musically or well, or, or, or being good music but, but purely what i think feels like kind of oh god we shouldn't have said that because two months later the guy had died and i and i think i suppose what you're trying to say and i would agree with this sentiment is 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 yeah whilst it is a tragedy that he passed away this is not a record that deserves a a, a positive reappraisal as a result of that in in the slightest not in the slightest i mean kerrang did a piece on the making of the album in 2019 said and said clearly chester had taken the journey one time too many could no longer face the places it took him in the days weeks and months following chester's death the poignancy of one more light particularly the title track which was posthumously released as a single and explored the fragility and transience of life started to make more sense i'm sorry guys it it, it doesn't that's not true uh, it's, it's not as if chester bennington was singing about anything new he'd been singing about those sorts of feelings since hybrid theory you know Mm. uh so yeah i i don't really buy that either and i I feel like it's like been a sort of concerted effort for everyone like there's a piece in the enemy a couple of years back about how the lyrics to the title track saved some guy's life as a healthcare worker saw someone who was going to jump off of a ledge and started reciting the lyrics to him and then he didn't and this record has a load of five-star reviews about seven or eight five-star reviews on google 
they're all from like the last couple of years mm-hmm. so sort of, i think tells you everything as well people are looking into this record now more and they're putting two and two together and they're coming up with 70 or 80 mm. like it's it's really like i don't want to be a fucking i want to be a killjoy i'm here to say you can mourn chester benton all you like and you can be a fan of lincoln park and you can you know that's not what i'm saying don't do mm. but to pretend that this album isn't anything other than a than an utter disaster mm. You know, sorry. It's a joke. Facts, yeah. Facts don't care about your feelings or whatever. No, they don't. Um, uh, and you know, it's a bad record, and no amount of like reappraisal is going to bring Chester Bennington back. And to sort of pretend to yourself like this is good, I mean, it's just. I, I think the tide will flip back in, in another way in sort of ten years or whatever and people will just go i think people will still will will probably not even link this record to his death i just think it will it will fade away because there's no way this record can stand any kind of test of time at all it's just nowhere near good enough it's a really really dire record it already sounds dated it's only four years old and it already sounds dated um it's it's it is a terrible terrible album and i was kind of like i was really curious i mean i will say this for lincoln park they did stick by their guns i i knew that um uh that the last show was july 6th at the barclay card birmingham arena because i was really curious to see um how much material from this album they would have played live especially considering that so much of this album uh, so much of this album would have had to rely on tracks i can't imagine these songs being played live as, as in actually being played <laughs> like obviously there will be bits and pieces that can be but a lot of it would have been on a track i would have thought but i have to give them some credit for the last shows that they played um every single show they played seven songs from this record so they obviously believed in it and tried to stick by it and you know try to try to uh make it i mean they always played more songs from this record than hybrid theory on their last shows um well i've got there's actually a live album um called one more light live which i'm assuming is the brixton show or it's one of the last shows mm. and yeah they seem to there's a lot of stuff from this record one more light battle symphony talking to myself they played seven goodbye, goodbye. they played seven you know, songs at that brixton show and at one point they go from i think it's invisible no sorry it's points of theory from hybrid theory into invisible and i find that i, I listened to those two songs back to back and i was trying to imagine what that would sound like that jump live and it just again it comes back to this thing of identity in that they threw the baby out with the bathwater there was no mm. that there was nothing that connected this record to linkin park's old material at all i don't think and the, the way to expand your sound and do and go into different territory in a successful manner is to be able to do that whilst retaining a sense of your own identity and that this just doesn't have it at all like this just sounds like a another generic pop bollocks from the mid 2000s 
Yeah, it does. It really does. So, with all that taken into consideration, where does it go on the list, Renfrey? <sighs> I'm going to start, if you don't mind. Yeah, go on. Um, there is a little run of albums in the middle which are just boring and mm. pointless. Um, there's some absolute reprehensible shit at the top. And I don't think this album is reprehensible shit. No. There is some... There's nothing, offen- mind- there's nothing offensive about this record, no. certainly. There is some mind-bogglingly bad, uh, quite hilarious um, and cringeworthy stuff from kind of you know six feet under through to louis the 14th and then we've got that run of theory of a dead man viva brother razor like dirty vegas the enemy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This, and this black is... flag and, and black flag yeah. where you just think these albums are just like wet f- wet farts mm. of nothing mm-hmm. aren't they they're just boring wet fart like bizarre and but i would say considering the context surrounding this record this is probably more of a disaster than any of those records streets and sky or what by the enemy dirty vegas is one even razor light you remember some shit from the razor light album at the very least mm. theory of a dead man there's a couple of like quite grotty bits on that theory of a dead man album and even viva brother like it's got a little bit of energy to it mm. i would be tempted to put this in between just because i don't think it's grotty but i think it is a real slap in the face of boring music for a band who didn't might have been cynical and I don't like them and etc cetera, etc cetera, but I don't think they were actually slapping their fans in the face and I don't think they they totally lost all identity and I don't think they completely lost the plot but they really lose the plot here so I would put it in between Theory of a Dead Man and Viva Brother would be my suggestion um hmm yeah I actually, I think it should go. I was, I was thinking between um, Louis the sixteenth, <laughs> can never fourteenth, <laughs> and um, Theory of a Dead Man. So just one place higher than that. Why do I think this is worse than Theory of a Dead Man? I don't know. <laughs> well, it, because it probably is a worse album than Theory of a Dead Man. But what I would say in its favour is Theory of a Dead Man says some really nasty, misogynistic That's shit, true. In it, which this doesn't. Yeah, true, true. Yes, yes. Well, in that, yeah, you've convinced me. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. It's going in the list as I speak right now. It's happening. Linkin Park. Um, it's like number one fourteen. More light. Number fourteen on our list. Yeah, number 14, Linkin Park's One More Light. You know, rest in peace, Chester, and you made a lot of people very, very happy. This is, unfortunately, no way for any musician to go out, but we can't lie. The record is just a disaster. Just an absolute pile of shit. So we'll be back next week with another record. I'm going to dip my hand in, and I'm going to give him a good shake. I've actually recut out all the stuff for him, and I've done a whole you know they were a bit grotty those being stuck in your hat you're like hair hair and oh come on my hair is lovely yeah people do always say how nice your hair smells anyway i've got one i've killed time talking about your hair they do thanks man that's all right (laughs) i'm a trusting girl at heart this is yeah um we've got rotation by cute is what we aim for what we're doing next oh 
haven't some thought sort of, about that for a long time. Okay. Some sort of, have you heard this, have you? No, I, I haven't thought about cute as what we aim for for a long time. But yeah. Is some sort of pop punk band? Um, sort of. Uh, oh, like, God. like maybe more emo-y. Um, I mean, saccharin. The word saccharin might come up a lot next week as well i think i'm not again get the old thesaurus, th- th- thesaurus, thesaurus out. <laughs> out again mate um yeah. i just oh, googled right. cute is what we aim for and floppy haircuts wick- wicked uh yeah good all right sweet well anyway they'll be going in the broken record bin next next week um thank you very much for listening we'll be back with another episode on that particular brand of saccharin emo i think we've over you can't think we can't use the word saccharin next week not at all oh, okay i'll try my best yeah it'll be quite hard um we'll be back next week check out the usual riot act weekly show if you want us to hear us say nice things about music go over to our patreon page patreon.com forward slash riot act podcast and we will see you next time see you later <laughs>